0: Standing next to you by your and to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Meet Us at Molly's. I'm one of your hosts, Bryna. Um, usually Gina's the one who's leading the discussion every week, but she's currently on vacation out of the country in Canada, and we miss her and hope she's having a blast. But this week, I'm going to take you through our discussion. Um, tonight we're talking about PD episode 502 titled The Thing About Heroes. And also here with me, as always, is Ashley. Ashley, how are you today? I'm good. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, so this week, since the episode was mainly all about the case, we're going to break it down chronologically, unlike we usually do when we break it down by storyline. And we'll kind of throw in some final thoughts about Burgess and the episode overall at the end. But first, we're going to talk about the news, as as we usually do. And we have a lot to discuss. I mean, we recorded our last episode on Sunday night. We're currently currently recording on Thursday afternoon. And we have there was a lot that came out in these past four days. So we're going to start with... We got the episode descriptions for um, episode 5 of PD and episode 5 of FIRE. So Ashley, why don't you talk a little bit about those descriptions since you're always so great at finding them and sending them to us.
0: Um, Episode 5 of PD, Intelligence Busts a Meth Lab and Uncovers a Rehoming Scam in which children adopt it from a foreign country and are abandoned then sold online. And then Atwater, it sounds like a big episode for Atwater. He struggles with a difficult decision about whether to move his siblings to a safer environment outside of Chicago.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, we've talked a lot about, obviously, how we want to see Atwater have this big episode. And, you know, I think they've done a really good job this season about, you know, we've had a Jason-centric episode. We had tonight, or yesterday's episode was all about Kim. We're supposed to get an Antonio episode this week. And then, obviously, in a couple episodes, Atwater, like, I think they've done a really great job of giving us these kind of episodes that are centered on characters we haven't gotten to learn a lot about, so I'm very excited for that Water one, I think it sounds. And that case sounds really interesting, too, like children being adopted from foreign countries and then abandoned and then sold online. That's super interesting, and I'd be very curious to see how that all goes down. So I think that'll be a great episode. Um, But talk a little bit about what we're supposed to see in 605 of Fire.
0: Um, That one, Casey and Severoid find themselves at odds after uh, after Casey argues with him over the best way to save a teenager. And then Otis tries to convince Casey to be a part of a beta test for an expensive piece of new firefighter equipment imported from Japan. And Stella and Hope come to blows over a payroll issue and Brett goes on a date with a doctor she met.
1: Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple things that I personally think I find super interesting about this episode. First of all, we haven't really seen Casey and Severide get into it a whole lot since the beginning of kind of the show in general. Um, So that'll be super interesting, and I'm kind of curious to see if it lasts more than this one episode, Um, which I really hope it doesn't because I love this romance, but we'll see. I mean, I'm very curious to see. Um, My second thought is that Otis trying to get Casey to be part of this beta test for an expensive piece of equipment from Japan just sounds like really funny. I mean, it sounds so Otis and so fun. I mean, I'm just really curious to see how that plays out, because I'm sure, especially because it's Otis, it's probably going to be really funny. Also, third point, since when is... Okay, so is Hope... I'm assuming because Stella and Hope come to blow over a payroll issue, that's got to be... Hope is now involved in Molly's, I would assume. Like, why, what is the payroll issue that they would be, like, I'm just curious, what do you have, do you have thoughts? Yeah, like, it's a payroll issue, so what, what would they be, what would Hope now be involved in that she would be arguing about money and, like, people being paid? I just, I don't know, I mean, so my first and only thought is that it's got to be Molly's, I would assume. Yeah, that's, like, the only reasonable explanation, maybe? But then again, like, Brett's not owner of Molly. So, like, I just don't understand how Hope got involved in this in the first place. Maybe she's working there as a bartender? Maybe. I mean, if she's stuck around for this long, she's got to have a job. So that would make sense. Um, Yeah, it was super interesting to see how that Hope storyline evolves to get to the point where she's on a payroll somewhere. Um, And then, obviously, we talked about this a little bit. But what are your thoughts on Brett going on a date with a doctor? I mean, do you think it's someone we're going to be see that we've known on MED? Do you think it's going to be a new character? What do you think about that? At first, I thought it was somebody on MED, but then I started thinking, and I'm like, well, it has
0: to be somebody new, because I don't see her dating anybody from MED.
1: Yeah, we started going through all the things, and we were like, well, it can't be Rhodes, and it can't be Choi, and it can't be Noah, and it's like, well, it's not Will, so, like, who else, guys-wise, left? I mean, not really anybody, um... Yeah, so super interesting to see how that goes out and how Antonio might react and all these. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in that fire episode that I think will be really good. Um, but yeah, so that was all for the episode descriptions. Um, we got a couple of new articles that came out this week. So um, one was a TV line interview with Marina. And there wasn't a whole lot of new information, especially because the interview was kind of just previewing um, this week's episode but there was a couple things that I wanted to point out and kind of get your thoughts on Ashley. So, I mean, she said, you know, she thought when I guess asked about Burzik, obviously um, she said, you know, I think Burgess still has feelings for Ruzik. I just don't think that it's a good time for them and she has to move on. Ashley, did you ever think that it would be Burgess that we were going to see moving on? Or did you think that it was maybe going to be Ruzik or what are your thoughts on how, it's now we've seen two episodes, and they've kind of had some Berzic moments here and there. What were how, what were your thoughts on how Berzic might have played out this season?
0: Like Berzic, um, you could tell he still has feelings for Burgess, but yeah. I feel like she's just ready to move on and she wants to focus on her job more. She's not like she doesn't want to be in a relationship with him. Maybe she just wants to focus on her job.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely thought – I mean, we talked about it in our wish list and things like that. I definitely didn't think it was going to be – I definitely didn't think it was going to be Burgess that moved on first. I kind of thought it was going to be Ruzik, especially because he went on his undercover thing, and he was the one that had a lot more – what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, uh, things to get over, um, especially when it came to Burgess working in the intelligence unit. But I'm really happy that Burgess is the one that's kind of moved on first and, you know – has shown that her life has revolved a lot more around has a, evolves more than just Ruzik. and you know I think it's great and then also something that she mentioned Marina mentioned in this interview that I thought was super interesting is that obviously last week we learned that Burgess has a new boyfriend and so Marina made the comment that Burgess's boyfriend is to quote very much real I have not met him but he's coming up in the next episode we're about to film I asked Rick if I could be in on the casting, and I was like, I feel like I should choose him. They were like, no, thank you, and politely declined. I was like, what about a chemistry read? And they're like, stay in your lane, Marina, which I thought was just super funny that because I can picture Marina be, like wanting to be involved in like every little aspect of the casting. Um, I also kind of think it's interesting that they're not having her be involved somewhat because I think that's important. Um, like a chemistry read? Right. I mean, read. I guess I get it if you're not planning on keeping him him around that much. You know, if he's only going to be here for, like, two or three episodes, then, like, what does it really matter? You know, it's not that important. But, like, he also is playing her boyfriend. So it is somewhat important that they have chemistry and make it seem like they can be a real couple. Um, but I just thought it was super interesting that, you know, we're actually going to get to see this boyfriend, Matt Miller, I think is his name, that we'll talk about that later because we learned his name this at this week. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that, like, we're – gonna actually get to see him and that you know he's a very real person because I kind of thought maybe she was playing it off last week um but yeah I'm just what are your thoughts on you know who do you have any ideas on who you think would be a great person for them to cast no yeah I don't <laughs> either I really. just I haven't thought about it that long I just didn't know if you had any ideas um but yes that was all for the tv line interview um we got another article from the Chicago Sun Times. And it was basically just an article about how we're going to actually see a lot more of Chicago this season. Something I thought was interesting from the article was that Chicago PD has apparently pulled 95 permits since filming began July 19th for various location shoots. Um, and over the roughly the same period last year, it only had pulled 79. So that's, a, I mean, that's a, it's not a significant difference, but it is like a noticeable difference in how many times they've pulled permits. Um, and I think Personally, in the two episodes that we've gotten to see, I think it's really made a difference in um, just the quality of the episode. I think the fact that they're not spending all their time in the bullpen, um, not that I don't like bullpen scenes or cage scenes, but I think it just makes the episode that much a little more enjoyable when you know they're actually out shooting in the place that they're meant to be shooting. Um, And so, yeah, that's just something I thought was interesting. I also thought... Um, This little comment from uh, Patrick Kluger, because he was um, interviewed for the article, um, was about just the tension and the reform idea and things like that, especially that we saw in last week's episode. Um, And so based off the interaction that um, Ruzik and Atwater had in last week's episode... um, Patty made the comment about, you know, he said, the first thing I did was call Royce. And he was like, did you see this? Is Ruzick a racist now? Um, and then I thought it was interesting that he also called uh, Rick Eid to bring up this and kind of his reservations. Um, and Rick said, you know, the intention is not to change the character or to paint him in a bad light, but rather to bring up both sides of the real world debate. And I'm very glad that that's the approach they're taking with it um, because I think that's important. And I think it's going to make, like I said, just kind of this whole article is about how I think it's going to make the, inter- the episodes moving forward a lot more enjoyable. So that was just something I thought was interesting. Um, Ashley, let's talk about – we'll talk about the Variety article at the very end, but why don't we talk about – we've gotten a lot of deleted scenes this week. We've gotten, what, four from PD and one from Fire, I think, if that's correct? One from Fire? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So why don't we talk about – let's talk about the um, – one from because the first one we got was jay in the bullpen so why don't you talk Which a little confused bit about that? like all of us like I yeah don't why don't you talk just i mean what it's i mean it's only like all of these episodes are like uh 50 seconds or so but like why don't you talk about that one and kind of why you why it confused all of us like okay
0: he's staring at aaron's desk and then burgess asks him if he's heard from her and he says yeah a couple of weeks ago and i'm like well you just told told Voight in the episode before like the episode that you have he hasn't talked to her then i'm like now so is he lying to burgess or lying to Voigt? like and like, where did this scene come into play
1: Yeah, yeah. I just, I also, yeah, I, first of all, where the hell does this scene go? Like, does it go towards the beginning of the episode before that scene with Voight? Does it go after that scene with Voight? Because, because it's just like a regular bullpen episode, like, I mean, a bullpen scene, I have no idea where this goes. It's not like, oh, the scene is at the water, so, like, it's clear that it goes with the other scene that was at the water, you know, like, those kind of things. Like, this is just in the bullpen, so I, it could go anywhere, pretty much. And I think, like you said, I think it's really interesting about, and I, as much as I don't want him to keep touching on Aaron and Lynn said because, like, we all need to move on. Like, she's not here anymore. Like, we need to move on. I kind of wish we would get just, like, a tiny little bit of a clarifier about, like, whether he was lying, to who he was lying about. Like, was he lying to Burgess about having talked to Aaron, or is he lying to Voight about not having talked to Aaron? Just, like, make up your mind and let it go. But I guess you could say he's got to be lying because based on what they actually showed in the episode and what's now technically canon, you'd have to say that what he told Voight about not talking to Aaron is true. Because technically that's what made it in the episode, and that's what's canon. But that's just my thoughts I have no idea yeah I think he's lying too I just he's I like told the Burgess. truth yeah um and I think maybe I just thought about this but I wonder if maybe he's lying to Burgess because like he's not that close I mean he's close to Burgess like he is close to everyone in intelligence but it's not the same way that obviously it was with Aaron or anyone else but Boyd also knows that would know when he's bullshitting and would know I mean he not only does he know Aaron but he knows Jay and that relationship that they two of them had and he's just boy like Boyd's gonna know when someone's calling giving him bs like it's just the way it is so I think he's definitely lying to Burgess if I had to pick but we did get that deleted scene um why don't you talk a little bit about the one we saw from Ruzik that involved Ruzik
0: Oh, I was like, which one is that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ruzik's trying to set up a meeting with a guy who distributed the weapons, and the meeting gets set up, but they also want to meet with Ruzik's boss, which then we find out that's how Antonio comes back into the show, which we kind of figured, but we didn't get, like, clarification about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I can understand why they, like, cut that out, because it doesn't make a whole lot, you know, like, we don't need to see that Voight calls Antonio for him to come back. Like you said, we kind of could, you know, we're smart enough, we could figure it out on our own. But I think in terms of, like, the setting up with the meeting with the guy who distributed the weapons and all, like, that part of the scene, I thought that was kind of important for just the storyline of the case in general. Like, I mean, that whole part was kind of a little confusing, and I had to watch it a couple times before I actually got straight on, you know, who they were meeting with and how that all went around. Like, that case was really confusing and there was a bunch of different dealers and players and that if you didn't pay attention close enough and you didn't watch it a couple times, you could have gotten lost really easily. So I understand why they didn't need the Antonio part where they're, you know, Ruzik's meeting with Voight and Al and Voight actually calls Antonio. But I thought the first part of that scene was actually important and could have helped a little bit in the episode. But, I mean... I guess if they had to cut something out, it's fine part to cut it out. But I thought it just would have helped clarify things just a tiny bit. Um, and we won't talk about all the PD scenes, but I do want to talk about this, the last well the one we saw of Jay in the hospital. Why don't you talk about that one just a little bit?
0: They deleted a Halstead Brothers scene. Like, that's so rude of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really rude. Like, why don't you get but anyway. <laughs> Why don't you just talk a little <laughs> bit about
1: what we see in
0: there? Uh, Will tells Jay that the girl has a chance to survive, and then Will tries to conf- comfort him, but he has to leave, and then Upton comes over and tries to support Jay, but Jay kind of blows her off. Yeah,
1: no, for, okay, for a split second, I. so Ashley and I were texting this morning, and like we were talking about our feelings for Upton, and I said I still need a little bit of time to figure out how I feel about her. But in this one split second, I feel bad for her because she's just trying to be there for Jay and kind of fit in. And he's not really having it. You know, he's like, okay, I'm fine. Like, I can deal with it. And I think that's also just kind of like Jay's mechanism for dealing with things that are really tough is, you know, besides Will and then Once Upon a Time Aaron, you know, he doesn't really talk to people about that. So I don't think it's really anything against Upton. But she kind of, I think, seems to take it as like, no one wants to open up to me, like, I'm new, I gotta earn people's trust, and for one split second, I felt bad for her. Ashley, what did you feel in that moment? Did you feel bad for her, or was that just me?
0: No, I did. She was trying to help Jay, and he kind of just, like, blowed her off, and was like, I don't
1: want to talk to you, kind of, sort of. Right, but and I mean, like, they're partners now, like, you know, they've got to be able to trust each other, else something's gonna go wrong, and shit's about to go down, like, I mean, Yeah. And then I thought one thing, I mean, this is obviously related to the first episode, the premiere episode, but I thought Jay's line of, you know, just tell the truth, I got nothing to hide. I mean, you know, he says that. And i was just like, oh, Jay, like, <laughs> stop, like, ugh. But yeah, so I thought that was also, like you said, I mean, I think the thing that we've seen with all of these scenes that we really like them all, and I think, you know, they're all strong scenes, but obviously something's got to get cut now and then. I mean, I don't know how long of an episode – you know, when they add it all together, the episodes usually turn out to be. I don't know enough about like TV production, but I mean, obviously things have to get cut. And but there like were some four the, scenes is a lot of scenes to get right, cut. and that's assuming that they're giving us every scene they cut, which they probably aren't. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think all I. But we were talking about this earlier too. Is that I think I like that they're giving us these scenes now because you know. Their thing, you know, we've always criticized, people have always criticized One Chicago franchise runners for, you know, not giving us deleted scenes, but knowing that when the audience knows that those scenes exist. And we didn't know any of these scenes existed. And so we would have been totally okay had we not seen them. But I think the fact that we get to see them just, you know, adds something to the fan. I, I don't know. I just, I like that we get to see these scenes now. Yeah. Um, But I just want to talk – and then we got one from Fire, which I just thought was really funny. I think it's just kind of the team joking around with Mouch about his new kind of, like, healthy lifestyle. And I think one of the best lines I've ever heard come out of Mouch's mouth existed in this scene. He's like, all I'm saying is maybe Truck 81 could stand to get in a little better shape like me and Severide. Like, come on, Mouch. Like, I get it that you're all about your healthy lifestyle, but you and Severide really – It's just a great match line. Um, Okay, so maybe the biggest piece of news, and I think the thing Ashley and I want to talk about a little bit, is we got this article from Variety um, that says that Annabelle Acosta, who's um, been seen on Ballers and Quantico, is joining PD in a recurring role. So she's supposed to play Camilla and is going to make her first appearance in the seventh episode. And in that episode, Halstead encounters her while he's undercover working a case, and her intera- his interaction with her and her family is going to bring up a lot about his military past. Okay. I know Ashley and I both have a lot of thoughts. Ashley, what are your thoughts about, when, we, when you sent this article to me, um, what, were you, what were your first thoughts?
0: My first thought was, he better not hook up with this girl.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: like I'm not ready for that but like we are getting his past and I guess if like a, I just don't know I don't know I feel like we should get it but then again like I don't want it to be like, a girl that has to like get we have to have a girl to learn about his past like we yeah, to yeah, yeah. To do, like his own story line. but it seems like a good episode and I'm excited we're finally I
1: yeah. guess
0: going to get his past
1: yeah for sure and I think so, one, I'm very curious to see how she specifically brings up Jay's past, and I'm curious to see whether this was the episode um, where he's supposed to go over undercover with ex servicemen. I mean, I would guess because that was what was teased a couple weeks ago, and then I can't imagine they've already got you know ten or twelve or fifteen episodes written. So, I'd assume that we were going to get to see that episode in the first couple of episodes. So I'm assuming that's what that is, but I don't know. But yeah, I don't. I really hope that she is not a romantic interest for Jay because I want to learn about Jay's past and not have it not be tied up in romantic feelings. I mean, I think his backstory is set up perfectly for that, for you know, for us to learn about it and not have any romantic parts of it. Um, and Jay is a character deserves. For that story to be told that way, and so does Jesse as an actor. I mean, we've talked a lot, a lot, a lot about that. But if she even went so far as to become like his closest confidant a la Mouse because of whatever military ties she has, I would be totally okay with that because he needs someone like that. But yeah, I'm not ready for it to be romantic at all yet. And if it, if it even in like the end of season five turned into something romantic, I deal with it. I would maybe not like it, but I would deal with it. And I think that'd be totally okay. But I don't want it to turn, like you said, Ashley, I don't want it to be like this episode seven comes and, like, by the end of episode seven, like, we see him, like, in her bed. And I'm going to be like, uh, no.
0: And the reason it made me, like, my first thought was that because it said she's a reoccurring character. And so that means, like, multiple episodes. But I guess multiple episodes, she could also be, like, his storyline could go into multiple episodes with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're saying, but I think you were right to think that your first thought is like, you see the word recurring and you're like, oh shit, that means it's got to be like romantic. Um, especially because my thought from when we got the, I think it was the Yahoo TV article that originally teased that he was going to go undercover with ex servicemen was that just the way that the sentence was phrased, I don't remember the exact wording of it in that article, but it made it seem like it was tied into a case. And so, obviously, that case probably would only last one episode. But if she's going to be around for recurring, you would have to assume that either they become friends or they become a little more than friends. I don't know. I mean, but I mean, we'll guess we'll see it in a couple of weeks, you know. I mean, episode seven, we just finished episode two. So, like, that's it's like coming. two
0: more episodes, episode description. So, we should know, like, two weeks from the episode description.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be. We'll talk about it, trust me. We will have a lot to say when we learn more. Um, but, yeah, so I guess we can get right into That was a lot of news. We haven't had that much news since in, like, a couple of weeks. But that was a lot. We just wanted to make sure we addressed every little part of it. Um, if you guys ever see anything that we don't talk about, you know, whether it's an interview or just an article or something you think we should address in our news section, um, send it to us on Twitter, at MeetUsAtMolly's. Um, Or email it to us. Um, We think we get everything. I mean, between Ashley and Gina especially. I mean, I know they see a lot more than I do. But if there's something you think we haven't seen, just send it to us. I mean, we probably want to see it. So, yeah, just send it to us. And we'll talk about it. Um, So, yeah, getting right into the episode. Um, So instead of, like I said earlier, instead of doing this by storyline, I think we're just going to go chronologically by what happened in the episode just because... Most of everything that happened involved the case. There wasn't a whole lot outside of the case that happened last night. Um, so what the episode opens and we see Burgess, Ruzek, and Atwater patrolling the street festival. And Gina Gina made some comments in our outline, so I'm gonna say her comments. So Gina wanted us to point out, make sure that like she thought When they're talking about how they're, you know, still have to patrol the stupid street festival and that they won't have to do it when they get their big boy detective badges was adorable. I agree. I love this trio and I'm so excited that we get to see more of them and like actually be friends and not just like parts of the trio, but like the whole trio together. Um, So they're patrolling the street festival and Burgess sees Officer Toma, who she helped train, and she goes to speak with him. Um, and she's just, you know, he, she can tell that he's acting a little weird, but you know, he just says, oh, I'm hungover from the night before. And so she kind of blows it off. Um, but meanwhile, while this is happening, Atwater sees this suspicious, a suspicious van, that's such a hard word to say, um, <laughs> parking in an alley and the driver and passenger get out and they start running off and Atwater chases after them. Ruzik chases after Atwater And once Rusik kind of looks in the van, he sees that there's something suspicious. There's smoke and all this stuff. So he tells Burgess and Toma to kind of start clearing the area. So they do. The van blows up. Um, One of the men that had been that Atwater had been chasing gets hit by a car, and the other gets away. after the van blows up, Ruzik runs back towards the explosion. And Gina made a comment in our outline that says, you know, doubt her little assistant U.S. attorney would run back for her. She goes, okay, he probably didn't run back for her, but we can pretend he did. Yes, we all know Gina loves Berzik. I love Berzik. We're going to talk about Berzik a lot later. Um, but I just thought Gina's comment about doubt her little assistant U.S. attorney would <laughs> run back for her. Very true. Um but, yeah, so Van blows up. I mean, we get to see, you know, obviously the aftermath. Things look bad. Apparently, I think two people died. Obviously, way more are injured. Um, and Voight comes to the scene as obvi- as he does because he's Voight. Um, and he gets – he is met with one of the FBI guys who has been brought on to this case. I don't have this written anywhere in the outline, but, Ashley, did you think – Usually we don't obviously see FBI guys just kind of like automatically show up to work with intelligence like only when it's like big stuff happening. Did you think that that was weird and that maybe that's something we're going to see more of this season or was that just me like picking up on the fact that like it was FBI people they were working with and not other policemen?
0: No, usually
1: they don't show up like that. Usually, like Void has to call the FBI or something. They don't. Right, normally. or they've only we've only ever seen them when like you know in the first couple seasons when part of the hospital blows up or you know, um, yeah, usually it's when the hospital blows up. Because I'm thinking of obviously the first PD and Fire crossover, but then the one that set up the med pilot that yeah, usually when the hospital cr- <laughs> blows up is when we get to the FBI. So I just thought that was interesting. I mean. Usually, like I said, we don't see the FBI, but we do in this case. And so Voight and the head FBI guy, whose name I don't remember, but it doesn't matter, um, they debrief and, you know, they say, you know, we're calling this what it is, terrorism. And I think, so Gina made this comment and she said, you know, thank you. Like if the show is getting into the hot button issues, then I guess we are, you know, we're going to talk about them too. Um and obviously there's a lot of times where terrible things happen in the world and the news kind of categorizes them in certain ways. And Gina made the point that like if you look in any legal code at the definition of terrorism, you're not gonna see anything that refers to race or gender or ethnicity or age. And so yeah, I think this is just part of what PD's preached essentially about, you know, they're gonna be dealing with like real world hot button issues. Um so I'm glad that they're talking about it and I'm glad they're like Gina said, you know, they're calling it what it is. And yeah, there's a lot we could unpack here. We'll keep unpacking it as we go. Um, but yeah, so we just keep moving on. Um, the guy who was hit by the car is alive, and but is at Med and about to go in for surgery. So our favorite duo, Upton and Halstead, go over there to see if they can talk to him. And April's there and she tells them to back off. And they see him later. And. You know, they're like, right now you're the face of the biggest mass murder in the city's history. Okay. This is where, I mean, I know I have some thoughts about this, but should... Okay. So obviously the tragedy in Las Vegas is now considered the largest mass shooting in the United States history. That just happened on Sunday. Um, I think I'm kind of confused a little bit because based on the episode descriptions and what I've seen on Twitter was this was not originally supposed to air this week. This was supposed to be the third episode, not the second episode. So, Ashley, you're my little Chicago sleuth. I go to you for everything. Do you know when they originally switched the episodes? Was it something that they had planned, like, two weeks ago? Was it something that happened, like, two days ago? Like, do you know what it You don't know? I didn't know until last night when I was reading it on Twitter. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and I wonder if it happened, obviously, before the tragedy in Las Vegas happened or after, like, why they switched it. I mean, there's so many questions I have around why they switched it. Um, I'm also just curious, like, later on, is it going to have effects on the storyline? Because usually when they do switch episodes, obviously they didn't film them this way. They hadn't planned to have it this way. So, like, are we going to see something that was supposed to happen in what – in next week's episode, which was supposed to be the second episode, that well, like, I mean, they switched episodes last season too. They did.
0: Yeah, well, when this episode, it was like season like episode four or five when Mouse, no, when Platt got her dad. Was it her dad who got shot?
1: Maybe I don't. I'd have to go back I and look.
0: Like, Somebody, when it was like a big plot episode, they switched that with like a mouse episode when mouse went away or something and him and Jay got in that argument or something in the break room. That episode, and they switched it with the plot episode. So it was like reversed. That's
1: so interesting, though. I mean, I don't, I will never understand why they switch episodes, but I just think, you know, something I saw on Twitter a lot last night was. Should NBC have pushed this episode? Well, originally it was already supposed to be pushed, so why was it brought, you know, to air first instead of the next week's Antonio ups? I don't know. We will never know. I never know the answer to this. But I think it just, it'd be really interesting to see what NBC had to say, if they ever make a comment, especially just because of what happened last um, a couple days ago in Vegas. Um, but... As Gina points out in our outline, the episode didn't dwell on the bombing in that it wasn't something that's referenced in every single scene, and it obviously, um, it's focused more on linking, um, linking Toma to the bombers rather than, like, the actual bombing itself. So I think maybe that's why it's not as controversial as it could have been, but it's just something to think about, especially what happened, given what happened in Vegas on Sunday. Um, so, but back to the storyline, so, um, Burgess then goes to try to find Toma to see if he can help canvas the area because most of the people that live there are Syrian and he's fluent. And so the problem is Platt's like, oh yeah, he's not answering his phone, he's not at any area hospital, like his partner hasn't talked to him all day. Um she's like, if you can find him, you can have him, but like good luck finding him in her very plat ways. Um, but then we obviously, you know, Burgess and Antonio go to talk to his partner and I hated his partner. Ashley, how did you feel about his partner? Yeah, I didn't like him either. Yeah, from the very first moment we met him, it seemed like he could have cared less, which if you you spend a lot of time with your partner and like, obviously, if you have any ounce of like human instinct, like you probably care about this person and you would care that he cannot be found. And, you know, my first thought was just the way he came off made it seem as if he was going to be. Involved in the whole bombing aspect and maybe he knew something and maybe he forced Toma to do something about it I don't know. I just thought he was gonna be involved somehow. Obviously Spoiler alert, which I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't seen the episode But if you are for some reason his partner's not involved, but we'll talk about that later Um, yeah, and so Um, they, Burgess and Antonio then head to his parents house, which is where Toma lives And while he's searching, in his, and they're searching his room. Burgess finds jihadist websites in his browsing history, and Antonio goes. Unfortunately, it makes perfect sense. Now, just kind of going off of the whole Burgess and Antonio working together. Ashley, what do you think about this Burgess Antonio? As people are referencing their partnership, what do you think about the partnership? I like them. I like them working together. Yeah, and I think, I think they work really well together because I think they both balance each other out, but they're not too extreme. So, like, obviously both of them are, can be badasses when they want it. They want to be. They can be intimidating. They can be, you know, serious and I'm not going to – not violent. That's not, not the right word I'm looking for. But they can be that kind of, you know, perfect um, characteristic that – or caricature of what intelligence is supposed to be. Um, but obviously they both, you know, Antonio, as Gina points out um, – you know, Antonio understands her emotional connection to the case, but doesn't talk and doesn't talk her out of feeling what she needs to feel. And he doesn't get annoyed explaining things to her. You know, he motivates her. They're just, I think, a really good balance. And I think he can be that mentor to her without obviously, he's not that much older than her, like Al was when she worked with Al last season. Um, so I'm really excited to see more of this um, partnership. Um, but yeah, so Antonio points out that, you know, unfortunately, Toma having jihadist websites in his browsing history makes perfect sense, but we just, you know, it keeps going. So then Burgess calls Voight. She doesn't really buy it, but um, Voight thinks he might have been involved, and you know, he tells her to take the blinders off when it comes to Toma, because obviously you never know what's going on inside anyone else's head. And this line specifically from Voight about, you know, you never know what's going on in someone's head. That really bothered me on a few levels. I think mainly because as a police officer, you're trained to trust your gut instinct and when it comes to people, especially. And that's what Burgess is doing. She's trusting her gut instinct that she knows Toma and that she knows he's not a terrorist. So I think that just it just that line specifically really bothered me on some levels. I mean, I get it that like you obviously have to think about the other side that he could have been involved. But if Burgess, if that's what's Bur- in Burgess's gut, then that's what she needs to trust. I don't, I don't mean, Actually, did you, did that yeah. line stick out to you at all or anything? I agree with what you said. I feel, you, go ahead. No, yeah, no, you go ahead.
0: <laughs> I feel like she shouldn't, like you're a cop, like that's what you do. You do trust your gut in situations like that, so.
1: Yeah, and I think Gina made it kind of the different point. She was like, That didn't bother me. It didn't bother Gina as much because she says um, she just saw it as Voight telling Burgess to keep her eyes open and make sure she saw the whole picture, similar to what Antonio was doing, just in a more Voight way. I mean, I get it, but, like, I also think Voight is very Voight in a lot of these instances, and he kind of goes with what he thinks is right and what he thinks is the way to go about things, and he doesn't – not that he doesn't respect Burgess, but, you know – He doesn't also listen to what other people have to say a lot of times. And I think this was just one of those instances where it's like, really? Like, you don't know anything about this person, this case. Burgess does happen to know this person that's involved in this case. So why don't you listen to her just a slight bit more? So it just kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, But, yeah. So then now they're back in the bullpen. And the FBI agent pops in for a visit, you know, just to keep up on what's going on. So Voight mentions the jihadist websites on Toma's iPad and the FBI agent tells him, oh, that's not surprising. OK, Toma has apparently been going to evening prayer at the same radical mosque that Watif, who's the man who was hit by the car, goes to. So the FBI has been tracking Toma and really just thought of it as this whole thing is just like a blip on the radar till now. Um, really? Like, you don't think that was something that should have been mentioned, like, I don't know, an hour, two hours ago, whenever it's like. <laughs> they met the first time, like, I was just like, oh, okay, like, tell me that you've been tracking people, you know, just because of the mosque they go to or whatever, and you just now seem to mention that. Like, it just, it was like, oh, okay, really, this happened? Great. But that was my first, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But anyway, the scene goes on, and the FBI is like, oh, we want to take the lead, but Voight reminds him that, you know, Tomo was one of his own are one of their own, and you know, so they want to really be involved, and so the FBI seems to just naturally agree, which I also thought was interesting. I thought the FBI would have put put up a little bit more of a fight, I guess, maybe because a lot of times when Voight does work with other people that are outside of the intelligence units, it usually seems to be them, like you know, Button going heads. against each other. Yeah, butting heads—that's the word I was that's the phrase <laughs> I was looking for—and. Um, you know, usually Voight has to put up more of a fight, but the FBI was like, yeah, you guys do it. I understand. And I was like, this is weird. Why is this? Like, it just seemed too easy. Yeah. I everything about Voight working with the FBI in this instance just seemed too easy. I, like, expected to be more of a conflict. Not that I didn't like that it was easy, but I, in some ways, I kind of didn't because, you know, Voight seems to work best when everyone else is against him, and I... In this case, the FBI wasn't against him and I mean it worked out, but it was just like I just expected there would be a little more more of a conflict. Um, But yeah, so that happened and then Burgess and Antonio are back at Toma's house. Um, Burgess is questioning Toma's parents who she says something about how like either they're really the best actors in the world or they are stupid and they don't know. any. they clearly don't know anything about what's going on. Um, And Antonio is searching around the room And he finds pictures of Toma holding hands with another male officer named Mooney. They bring in this LGBTQ storyline, which I feel like if – I mean, obviously they mentioned it, so I knew it was going to have some level to – it was going to add some kind of layer to the case. But at first, I was just like, I don't understand why they're telling me this. Like, what is this going to have to do with anything? Um, Why, Like, why can't it just be, you know, a case about, you know – Like, the Muslim aspect. Like, why does it also then have to be the LGBTQ part? But I kind of like the way it turned out in the end. But at first, I was just like, okay, why are we adding another layer to Toma's case? Um, But I like, like I said, I like the way it turned out in the end. Um, But, yeah. So then we get to, so then it switches to Halstead and Upton. And they're questioning what. We finally, they finally get to question what's he at the hospital, and he's not being very cooperative. But they threaten him. Um, and so, actually, I want to kind of get your thoughts. So, my first thought when I saw this scene was, uh, does anyone find Upton to be that intimidating? Um, do you think she's intimidating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do. You, you think Upton's intimidating? Yeah. Because my first thought was just, like, especially in this scene, she's working with Jay. And I'd say besides, like, the old school, like, out, boy and owl things, like, I'd say Jay's probably the most intimidating. So I guess also compared to Jay, she, I'm, like, Upton, like, you're, you're still a novice. Like, you're still a newbie. Like, you'll get there in time. But, like, you need to work on it a little bit.
0: Back to, like, we was texting earlier. And, like, I don't know. Something I'm going to go say. Something bugs me about her I don't know what it is uh, but like something just
1: bugs me yeah something bugs I think I need to see more of her um and I think you know I think we're supposed to obviously learn a bit a bit more about her personal life and I think once we do I'll hopefully feel different but it's not that I hate her because I don't hate Upton I think like I did at the end of season four I don't hate her I, I like her um but I just, like, something, like you said, something bugs me about her and something rubs me the wrong way. And I think until I get to see a little bit more of her as an actual human and not as a cop, then that'll change. But until that changes, like, something just rubs me the wrong way. I agree. Something rubs, I, I can't. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to point that out. So then, you know, they intimidate him and he finally gives up another name. And the names that he gives up, are Azul Rahim and his wife, Nadia. Like, why Nadia? Like, is this some sick-ass joke? Like, really? It's too soon for all this. Really? Like, I get it that, you know, that name, you know, like, I get it. People, I get it. It's Like, it's a common name for, but Nadia? Like, there are plenty of other names I could have gone with yep
0: and like they i was like did he just say nadia like when i first started i was like wait he just said that and then i was like and then he said it again i was like oh my god and then i was like getting sad i was like
1: i cry right like i mean i guess it ha- like it's been two whole seasons but it's still too soon that episode was on, like
0: kind of segueing off. Is that episode where she dies was on yeah. USA the other day. And like,
1: I could not. I had I walked out of the room. I was like, no, can't watch this episode. Nope. It's, yeah, it's the episode I still refused. I've only ever seen that episode once. It's, yep.
0: I've never rewatched it.
1: Nope. Neither. But yeah, it was just like, really, writers, really, Nadia. But whatever. Anyway but then so they also learn that from motif that Toma is known by another name so he has this alias and Toma knows Rahim and his wife but didn't say that Toma's actually connected he just says that oh yeah Toma knows Rahim and his wife um, and Rahim's this other person in the van and so someone later in the bullpen when this information's all getting relayed you know someone's like well why would Toma use an alias and ruzik's like well maybe it was his terrorist name and gina points out you know obviously he says ruzik says it with this sarcastic tone but like she made a good point that i think is interesting like can we just tone it down with the ruzik dialogue like just a smidge because that obviously that's two episodes in a row that he's done something or said something that's like cringeworthy and i think that's true like i mean i get the point that like you obviously have to bring up like, this is something, this is how someone actually would have reacted, you know, in the real world. And so, like, I get it. Like, I, this is a reality. And so, I understand why they bring it up. But why does it have to be Rusic every time? Like, why is Ruzik just the scapegoat that they're going to play off all the, like, semi-controversial things on him? Like, I don't understand that and I don't like it that it's always Ruzik. I mean, I guess it makes most sense in a lot of ways, like, when you think about the character that it could have been Ruzik. But, like, why couldn't it have been I don't know, Atwater, why couldn't it have been Upton? Or, like, why couldn't it have been someone else? Did you notice that at all, Ashley? Like, yeah. did that bother you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Gina made the point. She's like, he never would have said that if Burgess was there. Also true. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I just, I think it's annoying that it's rustic every time. I don't, I love that they bring it up and I that that's like a conversation that they're having, but it doesn't need to be rustic every time. Um,
0: Mm -hmm, I agree.
1: But yeah, so they end up getting a lead on Nadia and Raheem and go and track them down. And then Nadia is smashing the computer with a hammer and Raheem runs out of the back of the building. So the FBI guy and Jay um, tell Nadia, like, drop your hammer, drop your hammer. And so she drops the hammer and she's like, I'm good, you know, whatever. And then she, like, casually reaches over and pulls out a gun. And Hall said... You know, it without a It was the thinking. FBI agent. Wasn't it the FBI agent? No, it was some? Halstead. Oh. Halstead for it shoots her. And at first I was like, dear God, like something's like I just thought for a split second, I was like, dear God, something's gonna go wrong. Halstead's gonna be blamed for something else, like, dear God. But obviously it was all cool, like the FBI guy like just kind of gave this look, like, yeah, I get it. You had to shoot her. Um, so Halstead shoots her. And they managed to bring Raheem in. Okay. <laughs> and then Gina made the comment or <laughs> outline. One. Yeah. Another dead Nadia. This is not cool. They have okay. something against Nadia's on this show, I guess. Apparently. But I'm okay with this one dying. Yeah. I'm okay. Clearly. Um, so then it switches to the interrogation room. And we see Halstead and Qu- Upton questioning Azul. And he's insisting, you know, I want to talk to my wife. I want to talk to my wife. Interesting that you're not trying to talk to a lawyer, but okay. We'll, we'll just ignore that. <laughs> um, and so they call, you know, Boyt and Al are looking through the two-way mirror at this. Um, and they're like, you know, we need to get some information out of here. So they call Upton out of the room. And they're like, basically, I don't remember the exact line, what they want to say, what they say, but they're like, yeah, we want to take him to the cage. Like, that's what it's code for. Like, we all know that whenever they say something and they're like, we're trying to get more information, they're taking them to the cage. They're gonna beat them up. Um, but Upton sticks up to Voight. Shocking. I was re- I was like, okay, you're two episodes in, but okay, sure. And she wants to try talking to him and use his wife and daughter as leverage. So they gave her like five minutes. I was like, clearly, I, like, made this comment on Twitter last night, too. I was like, clearly she's nude. Like, that's not how intelligence works. But somehow she's successful because she gets out of him that um, there's another attack coming and, but it doesn't tell her anymore. Um, so then that's when he asks for a lawyer and he wants to see his wife. And then Upton shows him pictures of his wife and after she saw it. So she's just, like, dead laying there with all this blood. And as he is looking at these pictures, she walks out and she's like, don't be sad. She died for the cause. So, like, I, I joke clearly about Upton being new, but she handled herself with that investigation and, and, ter- and interrogation, not investigation. But um, she's a badass. I mean, I, that line I thought was great. Like, I was like, sh- she just walked out. She's like, she died for the cause. Like, okay, you do you, Upton. And, like, clearly Voight and Al had this look of, like, okay, that was impressive. Like, you know, you did that. But I just thought that was great. And, th- that like, it's interesting because, like, obviously we talked about how Upton bugs us. But in this moment, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of like that. Like, I I just think as we go on, we're going to get more things where I'm like, okay, I see you, Upton. Like, I like that. Um, but right now I just haven't – this is only, like, the only one I've really gotten. And I was like, okay, I like this. But if we get more of them, I think I'll like her. But did you like Upton in this moment, Ashley? I mean, I, I, my thing about this moment was, like, I'm so
0: used to like people in the interrogation room yelling at the suspect and she just like calmly talked him through like talked to him and I was like okay well she got the information out of him so I guess I mean yeah I guess yeah that's still bugs me
1: yeah I just I think it's she's gonna I'm very curious to see if we get to see her butt heads with Voight like in more of, like, a bigger way than it's more just this, like, one-moment thing. Because I think that'll be really interesting to see. Because we obviously have seen it in the past with Antonio, um, when Antonio and Voight have butted heads over how intelligence deals with things. But I think it'd be really interesting to see, coming from Upton, who has such a different background, than because even Antonio had a very similar background to Voight. I mean, he not, might not have agreed with how Voight did things, but he had more of a similar background. So I'd just be curious to see Upton and Voight, like, heads like, within the unit. I think that would be really interesting to see um, and something I do hope we get to see more of. But anyway, um, so after this scene, um, we get to see him Burgess and Antonio go talk to Toma's boyfriend. Um, He had been in New York visiting his mom, and so he just got back to town. And he tells him that, you know, he hasn't talked to Toma, but when he got back to Chicago, he had a voicemail from Toma. And apparently the voicemail is Toma rambling a lot about, you know, how he made a mistake and that he kept saying he could have prevented the bombing and that he screwed up. Apparently Toma had also been really depressed. You know, his partner, partner (laughs) that we all hate, um, has been ragging on him, you know, just typical rookie hazing. But then it got worse when he found out Toma was a Muslim and then it got even more worse when he found out Toma was gay. And so... Mooney, his boyfriend, tells him that you know, tells them that he sounded sad and that the message sounded like he was saying goodbye, which keywords not good, not good at all. Um, again, then it switches and we get to see our good old friend Denny, Denny Woods, come back, and he comes to Voight and he complains, as always, um, about things he didn't know and that he's gonna. He needs to make a statement to the press about what's happening with Toma because obviously Toma was one of them and that it makes him look bad if he's, like, the so-called terrorist. He just needs to get out in front of it. And boy, this is a great void line. I actually like this line. He's like, I'm just looking out for one of our own. Remember when you used to do that? Like, I think that dynamics really – I really like this dynamic. Um, I, de- I hate Denny, but I like this dynamic. And I think – I just thought that was a great line, and I think – It obviously just shows that Voigt cares about the unit and he cares about CPD and that he's gonna do whatever it takes to look out for them and I think we get to see that kind of play out in the rest of the case. Um, But then finally, Ruzik gets a hit on Tomas' car. Someone finally finds him. And so they go find the car, he's not in the car and the entire team starts to fan out. Burgess, of course, is the one that finds him and he's over by the river and he's got a gun pointed to his chin. My first reaction was, like, oh, shit, this can't be good. Um, She finally convinces him to, like, put the gun down so they can talk about things. Um, But all he really says is that, you know, there's this envelope in this backpack that it's going to explain everything. And he just kind of keeps repeating what he had said in the voicemail to his boyfriend about how, you know, like, he could have prevented the bombing, that he screwed up, and that it was his fault. Um, but once you kind of, p- other people started getting closer, I can't remember if it was the feds or PD or whatever, but he, you know, he puts the gun back to his chin and pulls the trigger. And so Burgess watches him and she, there's this one moment in kind of the last part of the scene where she just kind of like lays on his body. And I was just like, this is, that was horrifying. Like, I mean, you could actually see him like pull the trigger and like shoot him. Like usually a lot of times they kind of switch the, what you're actually looking at, like you hear it but you don't actually obviously get to see it. And we actually got to see most of that. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I didn't expect to see it. And I was like, in the fact that obviously then bird just like lays on his body. I was like, that was, it was powerful. It was sad and it was, it was powerful. Um, yeah. So then we're back in the bullpen and the team's bringing the bag, this backpack that he was talking about to the unit. And while they're looking through it, there's no envelope. Um, that's because, of course, Burgess has it. She somehow got it out of there. I don't know when, but she somehow got it out of there. Um, and so she's following these clues that Toma left for her to an apartment. This great tonio partnership. So Antonio, of course, tries to talk her out of it, but Burgess, you know, she's determined. Um, and, you know, she says, you know, he has a story to tell Antonio, and he didn't think anyone would believe him. Very true. I, I... Burgess, of course, you know, she's following her gut, and I I just really like that line. I thought that was a really great line. So they go inside the apartment, and there's maps, and it looks like Toma for a second might have been involved. And I was like, shit, like, maybe they were actually leading me. Because I thought my first thing from the beginning was, obviously, he's clearly not involved. It's just going to be... you know, a cover-up or something. Like, he's not actually involved or, you know, he was. it's not actually him being a terrorist. But then you get to see the maps for a second, and you're like, oh, shit, maybe he is a terrorist. Um, but then, of course, Burgess finds a notebook with surveillance photos with dates and times and locations and a lot of other information. And so I was like, yes, he's not actually a terrorist. He's just working a solo undercover operation. Um, and so... We did also get to see that the reason why he thinks it was his fault is because the notebook had pictures of the vans that were used at the festival and another there was a second van that they believe is going to be used in another attack. And so that's why we get to see, oh, Toma, you know, that's where Thomas thought of, like, he could have prevented it. But he wouldn't have never known. I mean, unless he was, like, in the room. He could, there was no way he could have ever known that that's what they were going to be using it for. Um, But anyway, so once they have all this information from the notebooks, you know, they start going off, you know, taking off to go find the second man. And so, Burgess and Antonio are out, and so they're going to meet up with the team. And Voight Voight leaves Ruzik and Atwater to run point on this part of the case. And my first, I put this on our Twitter, I was like, would anyone have guessed four years ago that these two, like, lovable dorks would be running point on, like, a major part of an investigation? I sure wouldn't have thought so. I mean, obviously, you hope you get there, but like Ruzic and Atwater running point, like I just like it's funny. It's just like, oh okay, yeah. Ashley, do you have any thoughts on? Did you like find that as funny as I did? Yeah, I never
0: thought that would have happened.
1: <laughs> right, especially maybe at, maybe Atwater. Like I would have given it to Atwater because you know he's in a lot of ways like way more responsible than rusic but like Ruzic, nah, <laughs> nah. Not really thick, But they do. Anyway. So, they go to the location where Toma had taken the picture of the two vans. Obviously, the first one was gone because it was used in the first bombing. But the second band's also gone. Um, they find someone there, but it doesn't really turn out to be anything. Um, he gives them a clue, but it seems to be too obvious. And so, it kind of goes towards them being a decoy that... The police academy graduation is going to be this next target, but Boyd's like, no, like that's stupid. It's too obvious. Um, so Burgess is going through the journal again, and she finds pictures of a high school football stadium um, and a schedule to the football game, and they figure out that that's going to be the next target. So they head there. They get stopped in traffic, but the van is like a few cars up ahead. So they run out for they run after the van and are able to sneak up on the driver and the passenger, take them in the custody. The van that also had the bomb in it, Um, the bomb is disarmed. Everything's saved the day. So now we're basically, like, towards the last couple, like, ten minutes or so of the episode. And after this happens, Burgess is, like, sitting down on the curb. And Voight's like, are you okay? And she's, like, depressed. And so Voight and then Burgess have this little heart-to-heart. I don't know about you, Ashley, but it reminded me a lot of Voight and Lindsay combos. I got this, like, I was like, oh, geez. Like, when he called
0: her kid or whatever, I was like, yeah, oh, he used to call
1: Lindsay that. And I was like, that reminded me of them. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of them. It reminded me a lot as well. And I'm like, I don't think Burgess will ever, Burgess is obviously never going to come close to replacing Lindsay for Voight. But I just was like, uh. It just remind. it just, like, there's little things that keep reminding me, and I'm like, I hope at some point we get to the point where I'm not thinking about Lindsay every episode (laughs) because she's not here. But this just this moment reminded me. So Burgess says, you know, she wishes she could have stopped Toma, and Voit, you know, tells her she's she did everything that she could. And like you can't keep thinking about it. But Burgess doesn't buy that, of course. So she goes and sees Toma's family and basically tells him or tells them that Toma was a hero and you know he's not what the papers and his neighbors were saying. You know he was a true hero, and then she goes to visit Toma's partner. I thought this was the gra- I thought this was a great scene. Um, and so you know she said one of the first things she said she's like you know I always hated bullies, and then he tells her that Toma never belonged, and then she's like Toma belonged more than. You know, you ever will. And she's like, you put the gun in his hand and you pull that trigger. And I want you to think about that every time you close your eyes. And I was like, damn, Burgess, like, <laughs> you tell him like it is. like, yeah, like, I mean, I thought that was a super important moment. And I'm glad. Yes, I mean, obviously the partner wasn't end up being anything involved in the bombing like I thought he might originally be. But, like, it was just as bad a part of, you know, Toma's life as anything. And I thought that was really important that Burgess went back. Um, but then she has a conversation with Voight back in the bullpen, and Voight's like, you need to stay away from Toma's partner because his dad's some big wig, and if you, basically if you keep going after him, like, your career's gonna go up in smokes. Um, I get it, Voight, like, you're trying to look out after her, but Burgess is a big girl. Like, she can make her own decisions when it comes to her career, and I mean, she obviously seems to, for now, take Voight's advice, and she just kind of leaves it alone, um, but I'd be super curious to see if that's something that, like, comes back up and we get to see Toma's partner again. Because she, like, obviously is still clearly going to be affected. I mean, she saw Toma kill her himself right in front of her. So I wonder if she's going to let Toma's partner go. Ashley, do you think we're going to see him again? Eh, probably not. I'd just be <laughs> curious to see. I'm just I'm curious to see if we get to see him again or if it's just going to be, like, a theme of, you know, Burgess, like, being willing to do things on her own and Voight being like, you got to rein it in just a tiny bit. I think that would be maybe more likely to happen, but we'll see. And so the last scene um, of the episode is a conversation between Voight and Denny. And Voight brings him Toma's journal and basically was like, if it wasn't for Toma, we're not going to find the second bomb and we could obviously be dealing with a lot more casualties than we are. And so, you know... Woods did put out information in the press, and so obviously they're still calling Toma a terrorist. And now that they know the truth, like, Voight's like, we should do something. Like, he's not a terrorist. Um, Woods tells him, you know, we'll kind of see what we can do. And then he gives Voight credit, which I thought was surprising, you know, for always knowing when to stay and fight and when to run. And then this was the greatest Voight line ever. She, he's like, you know, he turns around and he's like, I, you know, I never run, I just wait. And that's how the episode ends. And I was like... Yeah. Yeah, you do. But anyway, and but we got an email from a listener, um, Allison, and she brought up an interesting point that she said, you know, why wouldn't the cops be kind of willing to correct what um, the media is saying about Toma? Um, you know, like, why did the community, why like, why allow the community to think that CPD hired a terrorist? And she's like, did I miss something? And I was like, well, I guess my first thought was that You know, it has to do with not compromising, like, future undercover assignments, even though he technically, the CPD did not send him on this assignment. Um, But I don't know if that's true. And then I was like, or maybe this department just doesn't want to say they were wrong. You know, obviously, they put out information. It was probably wrong information. They just don't want to go back and, like, admit that they were wrong. But, Ashley, do you have any thoughts on why the cops wouldn't want to go back and correct the media?
0: No. I mean, what you said's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll never know the answer, but I thought, Allison, that was like a really interesting point. Um, Yeah, so that was the end of the episode, but I do want to talk a little bit about Burgess, because obviously, this was a very big Burgess centric episode. um, And I think, I really think him, the character of Burgess, shine in this episode. Um, Ashley, what are your thoughts on just like Burgess as a character and what we got to see and learn about her in this episode? Did you like seeing learning more about Burgess and you know having this Burgess trick episode? Like what were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I liked it. It was like an okay episode, but I like the Burgess. I like Burgess. So it was cool to see her like lead a whole hour yeah. of the whole episode. I liked that.
1: Yeah, and I really like I think my favorite thing about Burgess is that You know, she's a cop, and so she's going to do what the law tells. You know, she's going to obey the law, but you know, she puts her heart and soul into her cases and the things that she does. And you know, when Tomo goes missing and became a suspect, like she put her heart and soul into defending him. And you know, her heart on her sleeve has become an asset to her. Um, And so she followed her gut and even disobeyed Voight's orders um, and got up all in his face because she wanted to believe, and she believed in her heart and soul that Toma was a good person. And I think, you know, seeing as she's, te- I mean, she's not the technically the newest member of intelligence, but she's, like, basically still as new as Upton. Um, you know, I thought it was incredibly brave that she chose to stand up for her beliefs, especially, you know, she and Upton are the only women in this male-dominated unit. And so, you know, her determination is eventually what gets them to discover that, um, Toma, you know the real reason behind what Toma was doing, and I thought that was you know a really interesting point. But Allison also in her email said something that I thought was interesting. She goes, the downside. She loved, She talked about how she loved this great episode, you know, Burgess, Burgess centric episode. But she goes, the downside is how many more things does Burgess have to endure before Voight takes her seriously? She's gotten shot. Watched her partner got beat up. A season later, she shot. Beat up a guy who raped your sister, then watches a friend of hers kill himself. Yes, Voight asked if she was okay, but for real, when she's going to be taken seriously as a cop? I could not agree with that more. I think, not that we've gotten to see a whole lot of Burgess-centric episodes, or like as much, you know, when we do, they're usually all in one episode. But she's gone through a lot and she has like reading all that like beaten
0: up and shot and then she got beat up and then her sister she's been through the wringer
1: like a lot right and i think compared to maybe besides like al or jay i mean you know besides like some of the main characters like i mean i guess when you compare it to atwater or ruzek is what i'm thinking about she's been through a lot and i think you know she's definitely time and time proved herself as you know she's a good cop you know she doesn't need to be seen as a woman cop or, you know, just a good, you know, she's a good cop. And so I'd be really curious to see if she's kind of this next person. You know, Jay kind of has proven himself to Voight, supposedly. Voight trusts him and respects him. But I'm kind of curious to see if we're going to see it now with, Bur- you know, Burgess. Is She's going to have to be the new one that proves herself time and time again and is trying to earn Boyd's trust so I think that was just a really interesting point and when I, Allison wrote it like that I was like yeah it's time for her to be taken seriously as a cop mm-hmm. um and kind of the last big Burgess thing that we learn is you know in the beginning she talks a lot about her she talks a little bit about her new man which is assistant U.S. attorney Matt Miller um I think it would have been interesting had we gotten to see him a little bit on Justice, if Justice was still around. I think that would have been an interesting crossover. Um, but obviously Justice is no longer around, RIP. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so when she's talking to she's talking to Ruzik about it, which Ruzik of all people... Um, You know, he—it's clearly like Ruzik still clearly cares about her and considers her to be like his girl. So he's like being all nosy and wants to know about her new guy and all these things. And you know, for me, I was like, while I still like, you know, I still obviously it's clear that they care about each other, and I still ship them a lot. Um, I really like seeing Burgess at this place, you know, where she wants to be, and that's intelligence. And this time, you know, her job's coming first, and she's not trying to let Ruzik interfere with that you know she's happy like she's not involved with someone who's gonna mess up her job and that's she's happy and so I'm very curious to see how long this relationship thing like plays out um but Gina she was like Gina said you know she admits that it was a tough pill to swallow watching you know not being able to see Ruzik be there for her through this which I agree and I kind of wish this was the episode we have gotten to see the boyfriend because I think it would have it's an important Burgess episode. And for us not to be able to see him for like five more episodes, it's like, okay, really? Like you're having this big Burgess episode and she can't even have someone be there for her. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting point that Gina said, but Ashley, I know you haven't, you're not the biggest, I mean, you like Burzek, but you're not like the biggest Burzek shipper out there. So what did you think about us getting to see even in last week, but especially in this week too, like getting to see more Burzek moments and, but obviously them not being together.
0: I mean, I like them, and you can still see that Ruzik still cares for her, but I agree with what Gina was saying, that it's kind of hard. You could tell Ruzik wanted to be there for her, and he couldn't, and it was kind of hard to...
1: Yeah, and I think, though, and I mean, I won't dwell on this too much because we've talked about Ruzik in other episodes, you know, our wishlist episodes and things like that, but I think... Part of the reason why, I mean, I ship them a lot. I, I love Mies Berzik, but I think these kind of moments though, are what I wish we had gotten to seeing at the beginning of their relationship and kind of wish why I wish they had been a little bit more of a slow burn. Because feel like we missed these moments of like yearning in the beginning. And I think it would have just made their relationship a lot stronger. And I think it's making their relationship a lot stronger now. I just wish we had also gotten to see a little bit more of that at the beginning of their relationship. I agree. Yeah, I just, I, I would have liked just a couple more of those moments in the beginning, and I think I would have been way, way more in. They rushed into things way too fast in the beginning,
0: and now they just, like, she's seeing somebody else, so maybe they'll, like, do the slow burn. That they should yeah. have done
1: all along. All along. Yep. I agree. Anyway, Ashley, what are your, do you have any overall, like, so you liked this episode, but you didn't like it maybe as much as the premiere. What were your overall thoughts about it? It was okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I liked it,
0: but the premiere was a little bit better. But I'm excited to see next week. The promo for next week looks really good.
1: Yeah. I agree. I definitely, I think that, and I don't think this, I don't think this is just because I like Halstead um, a lot, Um, but I definitely <laughs> think the premiere was a little bit stronger. Not saying this, this was a great episode, but I also really think, And I'm curious, after we see next week's episode, to see how I feel about this week's episode, I think now that I know that they're switched, I think that has something to do with playing in how I feel about it. Like, I'd be really curious after I see the next week's episode, to be like, oh, okay, it didn't really matter, the switch, and maybe I'll change my opinion about how I feel about this week's. Like you said, it's not that I don't think it's a good episode, I just, I think the switch is now clouding my judgment on how I feel about it. yeah. Because now I want to go into next week's episode looking for, like, storyline holes. Um, and just, I, I know it's going to cloud out how I feel about next week as well. But I am still very excited. Antonio is one of my favorites, and I'm so glad he's back. But, um, yeah, I think next week's looks great. And like I said this earlier at the beginning of the episode, um, but I really like how, you know, last week focused on Jay and this week it was Kim and next week it's Antonio and like in two or three weeks it's Atwater and, you know, I'm just waiting for our Ruzik focused one. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, you know, I've wanted to see more than just Voigt and Lindsay for a very long time and I think now we're, I'm glad that we're getting it right out of the gate because it's what I wanted and I think it's also interesting because, you know, we heard a lot about how Rick Eid was not. A big fan of, you know, he really liked the cases and, you know, not as big into, like, ships or character development or things like that. But so far, I mean, it's only been two episodes, so it's only been two episodes. But everything we've seen from the descriptions for future episodes and even just what we've actually gotten to see in these two episodes has kind of proven that wrong. So I'm kind of hope it continues on this trend because if it continues on its trend, I'm going to be very happy with season five. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was everything about Chicago PD 502. Um, You can, as always, find us on Twitter at at Molly's, Instagram is the same name, Facebook the same name. You can email us your thoughts um, at MeetUsAtMollys at at gmail.com. We'll be back on Monday to talk about episode two of Chicago Fire. You can also, if you want to tweet us individually, um, I am at BrynaK13. And I'm at AshNake095. Yeah, so that is all for this episode. Um, Like I said, we'll be back on Monday talking about fire. So, yeah. Bye, everybody.